0: food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is, please at least leave
2: us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV, my steel-belted radio and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I want
1: you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write
0: to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and that crime in the street. All I know is that first you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value! My
1: life has value! My life has value! Behold the Pale Podcast. podcast. And, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, animals, fish, everything in between, cavemen, dinosaurs. If you walk this earth at one point, this show's for y'all folks out there. And we're making Alex wait forever. I see him over there. (laughs) The show... We are on a show called "Behold, Behold, Behold," <coughs> a pale podcast. Woohoo the my
2: favorite, That's my favorite one so far, right there. I like that one? That was beautiful.
1: Thank you, sir. The G. men put some phlegm in my throat. Kind of, they tried to stop the operation,
3: but I pulled it off.
2: Be quick with that cough!
3: I knew where to put it. That's what she said. (laughs) Turn your head and cough when they grab you by the balls. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, with that being said, folks, you know, we wanted to bring animals into the episode because today's episode is based off of animals a little bit. Our furry friends out there that unfortunately cannot defend themselves. And whenever you have something that can't defend yourself, a bully will come into the picture and uh, take advantage. So. When we when we think of the, when we think of bullies around here, you know, sometimes we have like some some government military type bully situations, always going after the animals.
3: Um, you know, keeping I mean, a little. Yeah, I, I mean they're not going to uh, uh, worry about uh, what happens to us uh, when they uh, do, you know, all those illicit um, experiments or DDT or whatever on. On us, you think they're going to think any uh, more highly of uh, feathered and uh, swimming friends? I doubt that. Are you talking about Jake the Snake Roberts? Ah, Jake the Snake! Dude, he's doing really good nowadays.
1: I heard Hawk say DDT. The yeah, first that made
2: me think of the shake rattle on <laughs> yeah,
1: He is doing good. If Jake Roberts is listening, we're proud of you. He cleaned it up, doing good. Nice job childhood hero. The greatest villain, quite possibly, ever to step into the squared circle. That's yeah. a bold statement. <laughs> quite possibly the, the greatest villain to ever step in a crack house. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs>
1: but we love, we love, we worked with him many moons ago, way back in the day. It was a dark time. It was, it was a dark a scary time, time for everybody. It was a dark time for everybody, I think. We all found each other in a dark, in a, in a dark time, and we, uh, we we ha we all hailed together, and now we don't talk to make sure we don't go back to the dark place. So, but, <laughs> but Jake, Jake Roberts, we got love for you out there. Jake Roberts ain't his real name. I forget the real name at this moment, but all's well with that. So, the snake, the snake. I'm sure you know could, could definitely be used as a weapon of war, which is uh, our theme for this evening's episode. <clears throat> We have uh, how, you know, how animals have done their done, done their duty, done their service. Nobody gets it, you know, a, when the draft comes around, all right? It don't matter who you are as long as you're in that age group. You know what I mean? Whether you're an animal, fish, you know what I mean? Air, land, water. Um, you can be used as a military weapon. Some people say we're all being used as military weapons. At. Right now, as we speak, what do you guys think about that?
2: Well, I... <laughs> I don't think I'm being used as one right at the moment.
1: Not at this moment. No. Maybe
3: earlier. <laughs> Could maybe. The next. How about you, Hawk? Are you a military weapon? Well, I'm, I'm sure that if the government uh, uh, deems there's something about me that they can use for military uh, use, I'm sure that they'd have no problem using me in that way. Firstly, uh, I can't see anything like that. I don't think I have any of the uh, qualifications that would make me a very useful weapon. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be more like a, a blunt object, uh Maybe a rock. Maybe, you know, like, maybe a pillow to, you know, put over a mouth of unsuspecting victim. But uh, I really don't see myself as as, as uh, military uh, weapon material at this point. But hey, you never know. They might just strap a bomb to me and send me into the middle of a crowded place and pull the, the and hit the button. I wouldn't be beyond that. I can see you jumping on grenades. I can see you doing that. Well, I mean, only if if that was the only way to save people I care about, of course. I would not normally do that out of uh, the, um, how should I say, the enjoyment or the uh, (laughs) uh, excitement factor. It's not something I would uh, normally do just for the hell of it. What, Matt, go to war? go to war or jump on a hand grenade, either
1: one well it takes a very special person to jump on a hand grenade that's that's loyalty that's loyalty at the ump's degree you know what I mean Because usually they're doing it to protect everybody around them you just you jump on those hand grenade film projects, <laughs> which we're all thankful for you for doing <laughs> 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 We have Alexander Stephen Hawking with us again this evening. (laughs) Glad to see you can make another round trip coming to see us. But we'll pop into the theme. We'll pop into the big theme. You know what I mean? Uh, We joked around. This very serious subject and sad, you know what I mean? Last week, last episode, rather, the dark web stuff, you know, there's definitely some real dark, sad stuff in there. And this kind of goes a little hand-in-hand with that, we felt, because it was like another, uh, you know, uh, innocent, easily took advantage of victim in this situation. This time is kind of animals, uh, very kid-like, like Sean said earlier. You know what I mean? Those are the two things that can't protect themselves. And uh, there's so many of them that you can't protect them all. It's real dark. There's really kind of a dark uh, cloud over that whole deal. But, um, you know, animals being used as military weapons. What do you guys think of that when you first hear that? What's the first thing that pops in your head?
3: Well, for me, actually what pops into my head, since I'm a movie guy, yeah. uh, there's a movie called, I think it's called Day of the Dolphin. Um, right. George C. Scott is in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and pretty much uh, the uh, the uh, Military tries to use uh, dolphins to put um, explosive devices on the bottom of a ship. Now, in in the movie, it was to I think assassinate the president or someone like that. Now, I do know that uh, there has been rumors and 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 things that the military actually has tried to train dolphins to. Uh, plant, like I said, um, uh, uh, explosive devices on the bottom of battleships or submarines or, you know, stuff like that, which, first of all, I would not put anything past the military if they think that they found a way to, you know, you know, do, uh, cause the most harm to you know, whoever they're going up against, it doesn't matter what the collateral damage is.
0: Yeah.
3: And, uh I mean, heck, they have very low opinion of us as people. I mean, you can only imagine that their opinion is even less when it comes to, you know, animals and um cre- creatures that a lot of people consider less than us. Yeah, well, firstly, I think uh, dolphins are more intelligent than uh, most of the people I deal with on a daily basis. Well, I think that's proven that they're super intelligent. Now, that movie is that the movie starring Dolphin London? No, 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 no. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it it w- it wasn't a great movie, but I mean, that was the first time that I I heard about what was that. About and I did... yeah, I gosh damn. <laughs> So I decided to look into it, and and supposedly that was a thing the military had tried at at one point.
1: Yeah. Sean, what do you think about when you hear about uh, animals as weapons?
2: Uh, I I go, like, further back. I I picture fucking people cutting off, like, half-tusks of elephants and then sticking blades on them and just ravaging towns. Yeah. Fucking... Messenger birds. Shit like that. Any like A messenger bird, that could be a militarized weapon. Right there. It really could be, yeah. yeah. Even if it's just a fear tactic. You know yeah. I mean?
1: They don't all have to be uh, destruction. But yeah. Some of the biggest ones are... Been around forever. Been around forever. Know what I mean? Strapping a M- uh, big fucking stick of dynamite to a turtle's back.
2: Giving a couple like of it. squirrels an M4. See what they do.
1: <laughs> they, they they tried with the turtles, but they had a lot of uh, they had issues. That would it was so walk so slow that it would blow up the person that lit the TNT. It took it's a lot of tries to figure that out. Yeah.
2: There's a there's a video on the internet. It um it's like a group of like African mo, uh, militia, and like a monkey gets a hold of one of the AKs yeah. and it actually oh, yeah, like yeah. shoots off a couple of rounds.
1: Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, I'm surprised. You know, the, the Planet of the Apes type world. You know what I mean? where yeah. it's all these, uh, they're going to war. It would make sense, you know. Once they kill off all the all the all the all the people with no money, and it's just the rich folks, that's when they'll bring in the the monkeys to fight the wars for them. Bastards! Those
3: damn fucking dirty apes. Terrible. Lunatics. Yeah. Now, I mean, a thing I always thought, especially with you've got um, uh, everyone toying with genetics. Now, it's always been a thing used in science fiction films and and books and all that. I personally am not a scientist. I don't know the logistics and and all that. But, I mean, uh, like The Island of Dr. Moreau uh, is a perfect example where, you know, the idea of when you, uh, you take like certain attributes from like animals and try to meld them with uh, with a human, you know, trying to get you know, like be as fast as a cheetah or you know, uh, camouflage like a iguana or something like that. Which I mean is perfect sci- science fiction um, ideas. Now I haven't read anything that even resembles of that actually being. Um, a realistic uh, at this point but just, just curious about what you guys think that. do you guys think with since ge- uh, genetic engineering is one of the big things that people work on do you think that actually is a possibility sometime down the road that we could you know actually legitimately splice you know animal DNA with human DNA and make a you know like an animal human hybrid yeah, I'm sure it's already
1: been done Like not, Maybe not successful, maybe very successful But it would be kind of like a super group thing when, when you were talking about those movies I, I could help think of Man's Best Friend With the robotic dog that yeah. I think they make as a weapon And even at, like Jurassic Park I think later in the trilogy, don't they eventually get kind of militarized? Yeah They would in real life I mean, in real life, that yeah. would be the main reason for them
3: um, But what was your question, Hawkman? Well, my question is just just the thought. I mean, this is just me shooting out there. I mean, uh, without any actual, you know, anything backing up, but uh, just the idea of that. With everyone working with genetic engineering, that the uh, their ability to you know take the genetic um, code of like you know other animals and then melding it with the human code to give us almost animalistic. More powers. I mean, if you sit down and you look at the human species and you look at the animal species, we might have, let's say, the bigger brain power, but like, I mean, without our brain power making the weapons and all that, physically, if you put us without any weapons and all up up against a Bengal tiger or or a bear or something like that, uh, we're going to end up dead if it's just you know physical uh, strength against you know these animals, but <laughs> the idea of you know you know splicing, which is is an idea that has been throughout you know the books uh, and, right. and movies for years. Yeah, no, I like, that. yeah. I mean, I've, like I said, I'm just since we're talking about this, just an idea <laughs> of what you guys think is the possibility of you know. You know, I mean, because the military is always thinking about how. I think we got you, to... we got you bud. Yeah, yeah. I think we got you, bud.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think that yeah, that's definitely uh, yeah, definitely for sure something they could dabble in, and also think about growth hormone stuff. It's not even a mechanical or something like that, um, but more so just if you could if you could with steroids and stuff bulk up your neighbor your your local neighborhood dog to be maybe five ten times the size that it is. A human wouldn't be able to fight off against that or a cat. If you were to make a cat the size of a tiger or bigger, you're not going to, you can't fight that off. If it's angry with you. you, just jump on you, weigh you down, slash it. You got knives for, for in it, in its hand, you know, in the paw. Mm. You can't mess with that. So I, I think that I, I do think that they probably both, they do, you know, they do tests to try and, bulk these animals up, like crossing them over, like taking maybe a tiger and a human and and crossing it over into like a werewolf type thing? Is that what you mean? Well, you know, I mean kind of like, I mean Like Full Eclipse, there's this great movie called Full Eclipse Uh, Mario Van Peebles, I know he stars in it, I don't know if he directed it, but it's about these super cops that inject a serum into them that makes them into werewolves when they have to go get fucking hard and heavy, and um, they get addicted to it it's such a rush and makes them feel so powerful. So like that's kind of the problem, the dilemma within the film. But um, it's yeah, kind of like that. Like I could almost see something like that because you look at look at the the bath salt situation that happened a couple of years ago where the yeah dude's going crazy and eating guy's face and stuff. And like we've seen situations. You seen a regular athletic person. What are they parkour? What do they call that where they jump around? Yeah, parkour. Yeah, you know,
3: parkour.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Running. Yeah, you see people do that. So like. You know, to 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 put them in a heightened element of athleticness and a uh, p- place of balance, and, and you know, to be able to figure out how to do that stuff, you could you could have a human person run up a wall, in, through windows, the whole deal, get onto a roof. You know, now you they if they also have the skill to be able to hand to hand kill somebody without issue, that's a problem. That's that's fucking animal like right there. You know, what yeah. I mean,
3: something plus, plus also being able to hide in like hearing, eyesight, and all that. Right. I mean, mean, as uh, I was saying, I mean, the military is always about trying to, you know, I mean, they're all about experimenting on the soldiers to, you know, make them tougher, stronger, more malleable. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, I I mean, definitely. I mean, I I would say, Sean, what do you think? But, I mean, things like them putting infrared dyes, trying to, like, inject them into people's pupils, that shit like that's probably been done, trying to, so they can see at night and stuff. What do you think?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Al Gore's been going after, what, Man Bear Pig for about seven years now. Yeah. So he's out there. Uh, Far Cry, very popular video game franchise. The earlier games, Far Cry Predator, you literally inject yourself with, like, Tiger Serum so you can run fast. Get like night vision and stuff. I mean, they're all based off crazy ideas. Somebody fucking did it though. Tiger blood.
1: You know, you know like Charlie Sheen's so crazy because he's seen the behind the curtain and he's talking about all his tiger blood. Oh. You know what I mean, the adrenochrome, all that weird, crazy, madness shit. We'll do an episode later in life on. So, folks, let's uh, let's pop into our first one here. Now we got chicken. Powered nukes coming at you uh, at heavy speeds, ready to cause a lot of damage. In 1957, at the height of the Cold War, Great Britain hatched a plan to bury a series of nuclear warheads throughout Germany as a failsafe in case the Soviet Army attempted to invade Europe from the east. Immediately, they encountered a problem. The winter temperatures of the North German plain, uh, where they planned to bury the nukes, got way too cold for the bomb's electronics to function. So Britain's best military scientists went to work and they came up with the most ridiculous idea ever. Chickens, they said, would produce high enough body heat to keep the electronic uh, circuits warm with the weak supply, with a weak supply of food. The chickens would stay alive long enough to keep the bombs in order, uh, working in order. Eventually, the project was cancelled, not because it was crazy, but because Britain was worried about the political aspect of detonating nuclear warheads in Allied territory, which makes a lot more sense. <laughs> what do you guys think of that?
2: Uh, like that was funded by the British government? That's, that's, uh, a, that's an operation that was funded. I mean, our country, everybody's done dumb shit, it's just fucking hard to hear. <laughs> it is. It is. It. Like on
1: paper, when I read that, it kind of made a little sense. We're going back a little time where the, you know they didn't have anything to put in there to, to keep it electronically warm, and you figure the body heat it, it, on, on paper, it almost sounds like it makes sense. Um, and they get the feathers and stuff.
3: Yeah. Uh, the, the the question I have to ask is now: uh, is the chicken or the rocket the bigger spoon? Hey! Hey! Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's. Uh... This was also the same year they invented chicken nuggets.
1: If there there's a coincidence there, we'll see. Ah, uh, well, see, but,
2: see is, is
1: that a
3: thing I'm joking. Right there? I'm joking. You can't do that to me, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to say that you know the chicken nuggets probably hap, uh, became what was left of the chickens that they uh, used in the uh, first experiment on on this. Yeah. Keep
1: up, my friend. Keep up. Either I'm doing a bad job or you're doing a bad job with the jokes tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Probably me. You're too great of a person.
3: Ah. Next
1: up, we have anti-communication falcons. Falconry coming at us. Before long-distance communication was as widely available did anybody want to say anything about the, the previous one? Or did I, did I cut us out too quick? You guys cool?
2: No, we're good. I'm good.
1: All right, cool, cool. Before long-distance communication was widely available, homing pigeons were often used to send messages. In World War II alone, the UK used an estimated 250,000 homing pigeons to discreetly get messages out from troops behind enemy lines, especially in situations where they couldn't use radios. It's the perfect tactic. A trained pigeon can travel more than uh, 1,100 miles to a precise location, and they don't send out any signals that can be traced by the enemy. But since the pigeon technology isn't exclusive to any one army, the Germans were sending messages via the pigeons as well. So the British upped the ante by training a small force of uh, peregrine falcons to patrol the coast of Great Britain and intercept Outgoing homing pigeons. The project appears to have been successful, and at least two enemy pigeons were captured alive. Then jokingly referred to as prisoners of war.
2: <laughs>
3: Very nice. Yeah, the question I, I have to I have to say about that is yeah. that uh, were there any um, uh, uh, French soldiers working with them? Because if that's the case, then they would be cooking up the pigeon. For, yeah, for a, right. a, a specialty um, afterwards. That would be the execution of uh, enemy combatants. <laughs> yeah, it seems like
1: a really hardcore way uh, to have an issue. You know what I mean? Like, if they're all doing it, who's to say, how are you going to really, how are you realistically getting, you know who's getting
3: what? Yeah, uh, plus also the fact is that uh, I'm. I mean, if you're sending out the falcons to go and stuff the pigeons, um, my only question is how do you train? Uh, I mean, falconry is, is definitely an old art, and, and it is a good idea if you're trying to, um, you know, stop the enemy with pigeons. It, it's a good deterrent. The only question I have, since I don't know much about falconry and, and all that, is how. You make sure that the falcons are attacking the enemy pigeons, not yours. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, unless they there's there's some way that they uh, put like a falcon deterrent on their pigeons, so the falcon you know attacks the uh, the enemy's pigeons.
1: And uh, yeah, it's uh, one thousand one hundred miles is a long way to go. You know, with the you know. To go into like dogs and cats, they also, you also hear, always hear weird stories of like them getting lost and them coming, you know, homeward bound, like, you know what I mean, traveling yeah. the earth to get back to their home. But it's like, how do they know where their home is, you know? And they smell. Like, smell. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that really what yeah.
3: it is? Wow. Yeah, it is. From, from what I read, I mean, uh, the reason that uh, uh, I don't know by cats, or but I know with dogs, this sense of smell—I mean, that's how they're able to, you know, find a way home. You know, if you can
1: smell your home from a thousand miles away, uh, you must—you could fucking die from being in the
3: same room as the shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I
2: can't smell the toast burning in the next yeah. room.
3: God, about but well, it's I mean, good. I mean, I mean, think about it this way: I mean, how many times you 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 see where? You know, they're chasing the bad guys and they have, like, their clothes and they put the scent in front of the dog's nose and and the dogs chase. Now, the thing is, what I'm assuming is on the same principle that, you know, bits say, you know, their owner, you know, drops, you know, uh, they get lost over there and they're just smelling the scent of the owner all the way back. I mean, these pig, the pigeons and falcons have. This, you think it smell with them too, or you think it's something you know, different? Well, with pigeons and falcons, it's a, it's a different uh, different thing. I mean, I don't know enough about uh, birds to know what the uh, terminology or what they use. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you got you got birds of all kinds that migrate, you know, south and, and uh, for for the winter and all that. And they know exactly where they're going and, and all that. I mean, personally, I don't know how, how you train it. But, I mean, I mean, like I said, and that I would pass. I would assume that uh, they can train. I mean, uh, messenger pigeons have been a big thing for, you know, centuries. So yeah. there must be some kind of um, uh, a way that they're able to train the uh, pigeon to know where exactly to go.
1: Very valuable war tactic. I mean, that's something you would want to, if you were plucking different things from different animals to create the perfect soldier, that would be one of the, like a built-in compass, you know what I mean? Yeah. The automatically built, they just know. I, I mean, it's interesting. So yeah, yeah, you can see them trying to pull pull that out of the DNA, but that's something else, you know what I mean?
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: be crazy. It's one of those weirdo deal things. Um here comes your favorite, Alex. Anti-terrorism dolphins, or like Alicia, you know, this is a, a branch of the one you're favorites. Uh, since 19, the 1960s, the U.S. Navy has had an active branch dedicated to one purpose: training sea creatures for war. Uh, if that sounds awesome, that's because it is. Ooh, most commonly, uh, the bottlenose dolphins are trained to detect underwater mines. And then alert nearby patrol of their presence. Um, so this one automatically sounds a little bit better than the first one because uh, this one, and the previous one, they don't die. I'm sure yeah. they did, but that their, their job isn't dying. You know what I mean? A lot yeah. of them is like they're sent to die. They're uh, kamikaze. In Seattle, dolphin. Uh, in, S- in Seattle, dolphins and California sea lions are also trained to detect human intruders. When a dolphin spots a swimmer, it swims to the nearest Navy boat, after which a sea lion will approach with a metal cuff and lock it around the intruder's leg. That's what—that's real, supposedly.
2: So what, they go get the gear to lock the dude up and then go fucking lock him up?
1: Yeah, one of them, that's like, tell, I think the dolphin tells the, the sea lion, like, the, 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 they see the person out there, the dolphin then swims over, tells the sea lion that there's somebody out there, and the sea lion swims out with the clip. They click clicks onto their ankle supposedly or their leg so they can get
2: them.
1: That's crazy. Oh, yeah, that's oh. crazy. I, I I don't know. That
2: one could be a little. Scary oh, you imagine yeah. just be swimming around and like, what the fuck just clipped me? Something something just shackled my legs. Yeah. Oh, did, they even, so,
3: did something shackle your blown, leg in one are you were panicking? Full blown panic.
2: I'm gonna drown right there.
3: Absolutely. I I I mean, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm totally down with the possibility and and all that training of the dolphin to uh, find underwater mines and you know alerting and and that kind of stuff. But a dolphin working with a sea lion to not only uh, find intruders but also to actually uh, lock them up with a shackle. Um, first, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know a, a lot about. Animal uh, interspecies communication. I don't um, know a lot about I, dolphins. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't think dolphins and sea lions could, you know, uh, you know, hang out at the beach and talk about life's never answered questions or anything like that. I mean, it's possible, but uh, the communication between the dolphin and the sea lion is where I kind of have an issue with. An issue there, I can see that. Um, and, and, and training a sea lion to actually, you know, put, like, a shackle on a person, I think, is also extremely far-fetched. I mean, maybe train the sea lion to attack. I mean, I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, like to just, you know, kind of um, wash off sea lions and, and seals as, you know, you know, cute little animals in the sea, but they are they are aggressive and they are powerful. So I mean maybe I mean the closest I can think of I mean I don't I know that people can train sea the sea lions and I know they can train dolphins and but having the dolphin communicate with the sea lion I'm kind of a little effy on. And I really don't think a sea lion has the the ability to attach a shackle to a human being. I can see, you know, maybe being, you know, uh, taught to attack, you know, the same way you teach, like, a dog to attack an intruder. I mean, but that, yeah, I think that's pretty far-fetched, uh, that, uh, inter- I mean hey, it's a great uh, great uh, idea for a, a Body cop uh, uh, film right there, you know? Yeah. Now, you guys believe in the brain transplant. You, these are these are doable things.
1: What's your take on them taking a human brain and putting it into the, a body of a dolphin or, a, or one of these sea otter-type deals? And what, having it work? And having it work. And having it, you be able to think like a human but have the capabilities of the animal or the fish. I don't
3: mammal. They're mammals. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of you know uh, heat on my original idea of the genetic um, manipulation of you know taking like the uh, genetic genome from the uh, animals and kind of upgrading us as people. Yeah. But I think that's a little bit more plausible. Then taking a the human brain and putting it into an animal body and having it, you know, work and you know have the uh, same uh, mente- uh, mental capabilities as it was in the human body, I don't think. I'm, I am. I don't think that's a a, a plausible or possible. But uh, I remember. I mean- I remember Joe, Joe Pantaleone, he had a, a cat's heart put in his body so he could have nine lives.
1: Oh, wait, no, that was a Tales from the Crypt episode. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. But,
3: yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, if, if, in, in, if in reality, I think it's more close to being able to uh, play around with the, the uh, DNA and maybe uh, heighten a human uh, from like animal attributes. I think that's, I mean, I don't know how far we are in genetic mani- manipulation, but I think that's closer to possibility than actually taking the human brain and putting it in an animal and then having it look exactly like it would in a human body and just, you know control the animal body the way that, you know, the human would if his, you know, brain was put inside that body. Yeah. Um, because I don't know how, because the brain is a complicated uh, uh, organ. And... Uh, hey, doctor. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just don't think it would be compatible. Well, I mean I don't know
1: yeah, I... <laughs> so yeah it's very tricky stuff you know what I mean for sure the bra i I, I do vibe with you finding a middle ground between that the you know the sea otter and the dolphin communicating I feel like that's weird too but you never know it could be it could be a possible deal you know what I mean <clears throat> Now, the Soviet Union was supposedly had a military unit for wartime marine mammals and would train dolphins to attack enemy ships uh, by differentiating between the sound of the ship's propellers. A few years ago, the dolphins were sold, uh, sold to Iran to be stationed in the Persian Gulf and have hilariously been dubbed the mercenaries. So these things are legitimate things, supposedly, that exist. We should worry about these things getting out. And brains of their own, it's like the uh, Deep Blue Sea. Wasn't Deep Blue Sea
3: that deal? Well of the other no, one. No, no, no. The thing with Deep Blue Sea is they didn't put like a human brain in the shark's brain. What they did was they enhanced the shark's brain.
1: Yeah.
3: They made That's, it, you know, bigger so bigger, stronger, smarter type deal. Yeah, yeah.
1: We could all agree that the attempt has probably been made to put human brains inside these dolphins and vice versa.
3: Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, any and every single possibility of, like, everything you've read in science fiction books, magazines, or seen in science fiction movies, I am 100% sure that people have tried them. The only question is how successful they were while trying them. Um, I mean, the thing is that, I mean, every time, yeah, you open up the internet, you hear about another breakthrough, or you hear about people trying things, or heck, even uh, things that are, you know, suddenly unclassified, and of course, you sit back, and you look at a lot of these things, and you're like, they seriously thought this would work, but, you know... The thing is that when it comes to trying to figure out different ways to uh, either keep power or be able to, you know, have power, people are willing to do anything to get it, even if the idea is ludicrous. I know that, um, like, during World War II, you know, like, Hitler had a whole whole slew of people looking out are trying to find like religious artifacts and religious talismans that he thought were had supernatural power so he could, you know, win. And and the thing is that as as most of those things have been found out to be, you know, totally, you know, fables or debunked and all that, the the urge to find something that is not quite of this world that we can use for our benefit has always been a, uh, a thing that people who have sought for power have been looking for. And like I said, I mean, you sit down, you look at uh, animal neighbors, and you look at like, like a bear, and you look at the power and the strength it has you know, you put yourself in a cage with a bear with no, like, weapon that we have created, you know, the bear's going to win. I mean, you look at that animal and you're like, well, that has such raw strength and power within itself. How can we, you know, take that power from that animal and then give it to us, give it to our soldiers? Which has always been an idea. The only question is how realistic or uh, logistically possible that idea is.
1: Yeah. I think that the fact that this, this stuff was spilled uh, earlier is why we know about it. Like if this was still covered up to today, I think even more so in the climate of today, they wouldn't want this stuff coming out. They'd be because it makes them look very bad because people love animals so much. And you know, they find out that you're strapping, you know, your, your boy Ren Tintin over there in the corner. You realize they they, they want to throw a bomb on him and send him off to blow up a tank. You ain't gonna jive with that. Yeah,
3: you you got you got to realize that uh, they don't care. Oh, they don't. No, they don't care about you know how people look at them or, or I mean they they use the old uh, like, well, this is you know to protect our way of life. This is our way to protect you know. Our our society and all that. I mean, those kind of things, you you hear them drop all the time, whether it's about, you know, uh, doing experiments on animals and using them as guinea pigs or using people as guinea pigs. Yeah. I mean, it's it's always about, you know, what they think that they need to do to make sure that things go the way they want it to go.
1: Yeah, I'm with you Especially when we're talking about Project X-Ray, which is our next thing. It's the Bat Bomb. Not, it's not something on Batman's belt. You know. Oh I mean? man, I thought that was what he, what he left in the Bat Room. That's what he puts in his his bathtub. Uh, ah. a bath bomb, a Bat Bomb before he goes on the road. I don't bat get the bomb. joke. <laughs> uh, you know, get
2: it? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm <laughs>
1: confused. Well,
3: I'll explain this to
2: you.
1: <laughs> All right, so our Bat Bomb, folks is uh, during World War II, military scientists on both sides of the struggle were actively searching for ways to get the upper hand. One idea came from the U.S. Uh, was a bat bomb, codenamed Project X-Ray, developed by uh, Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E, interesting, sounds southern, Lytle S. Adams, and actually approved for use by President Roosevelt. The bat bomb consisted of a large empty bombshell which was packed full of hibernating bats. At a certain alt- altitude, the bombshell would open and the bats, woken up by the warm air, would swarm out by the thousand. Each bat, each bat had a small charge with 17 grams of napalm attached to it. Uh, when the bats landed on trees and houses of Japan, the tiny bombs would ignite and set everything on fire. The project was at one point one of America's main strategies. And thousands of Mexican free-tailed bats were imported for the cause, but it was eventually shut down to invest more money into the atomic bomb. Beautiful.
2: Mm.
3: Uh, yeah. Um,
1: would the bat kill the bat? Like, even though? Yeah. Oh up? yeah. Oh even yeah. Even though it's wrapped up in something, it sh- it would, the, the, the fucking chemical, the the fumes or, or radiation would come off of it, wouldn't it?
2: Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're landing on the roof, they have to stop for a second for it to ignite, and their wings, are, they'd go up like that.
1: I'm yeah. picturing a bat with, like, the pull cord, like a fucking, like, like, like a <laughs> parachute pull
2: cord, like, let it go, boys! I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for my country!
1: I'm Bat That is quite a tactic, though. That is quite a tactic, um.
3: Honestly, okay, I I, I, I I, gotta say this after listening to as far as we've gone. I am now convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that 90% of these ideas came out when they had no idea what to do and they were like high in crack cocaine or some other illicit substance because it's like, you are pulling at straws when you're coming up with ideas like this. Yeah,
2: another
1: it's, one that
2: yeah,
3: it kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of sounds good. Of to them get,
2: like a lot of them get the green light
3: too. That Sorry. that just proves that the the generals are high on crack cocaine also. I think that's part of, like, to deal with the problem,
1: though. Like, when COVID came, we seen a lot of things getting green light like, to find a cure. Quick, 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 quick. They are in war. I think it's, everything got green lit to try and find a better weapon. Quick, 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 quick. You know what I
3: mean? I, I, I understand that. But okay. there, there should be a point when something comes across your desk and you're just looking at it and it's like, how many drugs did you take to come up with this idea? I mean, it's like, I mean, honestly, what did Uh, they do? 17 grams.
1: They they needed 17 grams
3: of drugs to come up with this idea. Uh, I got to say, I mean, the the only, yeah, that's, I guess, too, it's an ingenious idea. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them attempting it. But, I mean, it's one of those things when you, even though you're dealing with When when you're dealing with animals, it's one of those things that... I mean, how can you 100% be sure that they'll go exactly where you want them to go? I mean... um, Yeah. 17 grams, I
1: assume, would be the weight of that bat. So, they they must be one of those things that can carry more than its weight or something, like, without issue.
3: Yeah, I think bats can, which, you know, which... I mean, like I said, I mean, on paper is, is, is... Possible, but then again, I mean, I don't. I like I said, I I don't study bats. I study Batman, but not bats.
1: Oh you're the man. This this one reminds. I had a conversation once with Sully from the White Rapper Show. You guys remember that from ten years ago? And uh, we were talking wartime tactics. Yeah. And uh, one thing that he told me that always stuck with me is he said, "He goes, you know, these countries that don't like." They really don't respect their people. That'll just kill their people. It's like what they should do is they should put them all in a plane, multiple planes, and you say you fly over whatever country you're beefing with, and you have you just let these people walk out of the plane for the greater good. So you have all these bodies just landing in the middle of your neighborhood in your, your cul-de-sac. He says the devastation that that would put on the mind of the American people would be like ridiculous and it is if you think about it if you you know in a lot of the you know, all these countries that you know they kill their own people we, we do it too sometimes but for war, you know what i mean like that that's quite a concept you know what i mean it, yeah
2: it's not something like a typical civilian would see every day oh yeah you know? like
1: it, when you think about it like you you figure you know you you hear you, you know you hear a big bang and you walk outside with your wife and your kid and now there's a, a mangled body on top of your yeah. car
3: and then, uh, boof! Now there's. Yeah, that's what a that's of what
2: a level looks like.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Plus, also a fact is, I mean, which I know that uh, has had been a tactic used in uh, warfare is that they would take um, bodies of cadavers and put them in the drinking water. Ugh. Yeah, and by my doing that. Yeah, poison the well. So this was that the, the Cecil Hotel technique. <laughs> well, it was, it happened at the Cecil Hotel, but they, they
1: it, originated that shit. Yeah,
3: but yeah, I mean it's. But yeah, I mean you should never underestimate the psychological. Um, I mean, heck, that's why you know you have, you know a you know people strapping bombs to children and having them walk in and i mean, people i mean people don't want the a normal person's gut reaction is not wanting to kill a child
1: absolutely but
3: but then again i mean the uh, mentality of some of these people you know they don't they, their their entire uh, life is like tied with this belief or this doctrine, and you know uh, they're willing to do anything but their own lives, their own uh, children's lives, you know, down for what they consider the greater good. It's I mean, like that I but think that's it's... the case with a lot. I mean, if you go and look at every single you know country and war and all that they have done some very unspeakable things mm. trying to, you know, de- defeat the enemy. I mean, the atomic bomb is a perfect example on our end. Right. I mean, it's... The thing is, no one... When you're in war, no one walks away with clean hands. War and, is hell.
1: War is hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. You know, bud... Um Yeah.
3: Alright, so what 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 other animal atrocities have, have people?
1: Well, Hawkman, next up is genetically modified bomb sniffers. Now I brought up you Hawk because I know you've been classified that in police reports.
3: But oh, again, I'll say I'll just follow my nose.
1: Follow your nose and see where it goes. You know, one of the most visceral reminders of previous wars is the presence of uncounted landmines scattered across old combat zones. These mines present a real danger to civilians, and it's estimated that at least 70 countries still have forgotten mines buried beneath the soil. That's horrifying. Clear, clearing away mines with human labor is time-consuming and deadly. So animals are often used for the purpose. Mongolia even reportedly offered the US 2000 monkeys uh, to help clear old minefields, but like humans, monkeys are still heavy enough to accidentally trigger a mine, which is why Charlotte Holst is working on a genetically modified mouse that will be able to work with soldiers to accurately clear out more than 300 square meters of land in just a few hours. The mice are modified to be able to detect scents 500 times fainter than normal mice, and are small enough that they won't accidentally set off any mines in the process, potentially saving thousands of lives you'd think that there'd be some type of weird magnet thing that they could run over the ground and just disarm anything like that. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know how a mine works, actually. So. Yeah,
3: I mean, I mean, the thing is, um, I'm assuming yeah. that different mines from different countries are like, you know, like different, I mean, I know it's a weird um, connection, but like registers at like different stores, okay? Yeah. It's all does the same thing, but like practically every single one is different. Yeah, I mean, you go to Walmart; they have a different register than I have at CVS, even though it does pretty much the same job. You know, you kind of wonder why you know not everyone has the exact same one. So I can only assume that with um, like the minds that, because of course they don't want the enemy being able to easily, like you said, use a magnet and just, you know, disarm and all that. I'm sure that they have, like, backups and uh, other booby traps to make sure that it goes off instead of... But then again, I mean, with the idea of if they actually can genetically... I actually have to say it's kind of ingenious to get, you know, a mouse that can, you know find it, but also because a mouse is small enough, and of course I'm, I'm sure that all the different countries, uh, the last thing that they would even consider because, I mean, it, it's kind of an out there idea, is the fact something this small, a mouse would be, you know, sent out to actually locate their mind so a disposal unit can go out and take care of
1: it. Um, I, hope get, I hope we get three hours to watch and get 20 feet.
3: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, I mean, from what I have read and seen, that the usual method, the usual method that they like to use to take care of mines, whether it's cattle, horses, goats, um, you know, livestock that, you know, they either don't need or don't mind losing. Uh, I know that they have used them to go into a field where they believe minds are and, you know, hope that they trigger all the minds. And, of course, you know, you lose a few goats and all that. Yeah. Um, which, of course, is a lot more preferable than losing, you know, a few children's lives. Of course. You know, yeah. But, um.
1: I didn't think I, people cared much about mice. You know
3: what I mean? They feed Oh, them. no. I mean. Uh, but then again, I. Mean, if you grow up. Huh? Mice kind of get a bad rap. They feed them the snakes without issue.
1: You catch them in your house, you kill them without issue. You know what yeah. I mean?
3: But, yeah, I mean. The thing is that I know that that has been used. But then again, I also know that. In a lot of these countries, you know, um, sometimes a cow and a horse and a goat is more important than, unfortunately, a human life because that helps sustain a, a, a village and all that. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What do you think about so, Mongolia
1: reportedly sending over 2,000 monkeys to help clear up the problem, clear up the minefields?
3: I, I mean, that that could be another one. Um I mean, as as far as they're concerned, I mean, I don't think there's any actual. I don't think they farm monkeys for the meat or anything like that. So, I mean, they toss a bunch of monkeys that they don't care about, have them walk around, blow up uh, some mines, and, you know, who cares if a bunch of monkeys ends up dead? I mean, as long as. I'm going to take that sound clip and ruin your life. The um, now with the magnolia <laughs> thing, what do you think the deal? Hey,
1: hey, hey! Don't you yank my monkey? Never! Don't you yank my monkey? I give it a light, t- light tug. Never yank it. Oh,
3: ow, ow! Now, Sammy. what do you think?
1: Dude, there's three things that I could think of. Um, that would that would uh, you know, could be, a, you know, just them being nice. You could also have, you know, maybe they want to get in the good graces. Maybe they want some financial aid. You know, be in our favor. You also, whatever, if they didn't like us. Maybe those monkeys could have been carrying some COVID three or something. You know what I mean? What do you
3: think? What do you think? Oh, supposedly they were the uh, reason behind uh, the AIDS uh, pandemic in uh, the eighties.
1: Yeah, Mongolian
3: chicken. The um, what? The the, the the monkeys? Yes, I mean. Supposedly from what I heard that... What you hear about them? Well, I don't know, like around the 80s and the 90s, I could have uh, sworn that it was on the news that supposedly the AIDS pandemic came from uh, uh, someone who decided to fuck a monkey.
1: <laughs> well, it's Behold the Pill podcast. So you have that one. You all, it could also have been created in a laboratory to kill off unfavorable people.
3: Well, I mean, the thing is that that I mean, <laughs> the thing is that when you, you you talk about um, diseases and 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 all of that. I mean, you look at the bird flu. You look at all the different other diseases. Right. That a lot of times, even I mean, you don't even need to create anything in the laboratory. If you're smart enough, you just have it do it naturally. I mean, diseases between animals and humans have always been an issue. The only question is, just needs the right amount of, um, you know, factors that happen at the same time for, like, the bird flu, for the COVID-19, for the, you know, other, other things. I mean... I mean, it's it's kind of like you know when we talk about you know you want to get rid of someone but you don't want to you know hire anyone. You just set up a situation for it to happen, okay? And and this is a lot the same way that you know diseases between humans and animals. All you have to do is you know just set up the situation for it to happen, yeah. and then you know nature takes its course and nature. Is I mean when when yeah, when it it goes it goes and it's more dangerous and more threatening than and than you know even humans can be.
1: Well, I had a conversation with somebody recently about you know the vaccines and stuff. You know, and it's like the conversation was like which which would you know if it was to kill people off or whatever. And, you know, I feel like. If, if 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 the thing was if the, it was man made to kill people off, I feel like people that don't get the vaccine might have an issue. But if it is nature, if it is nature, then I think that people that get the vaccine might find themselves in an issue because they're, you know, I think they're kind of lowering their stuff or letting a little bit of it, you know, the problem into them to go with it, where. Well, You're I mean, able to fight stuff off. Yeah. Okay. Right,
3: since, since we're going down this, uh, rabbit. we're only going down for uh, two, two, two
1: fucking footsteps that we we're going to backtrack.
3: Yeah. Let's say well, what you want to say. All right. All I'm going to say is the fact that I mean, we've had vaccines for years for the flu uh, virus. Okay. Yep. And and the fact is, I mean. It's not a foolproof plan, but it has limited the amount of deaths because of of uh, the vaccine of of for the flu, and that's the same thing with the COVID nineteen vaccines. Is it's limiting? So, not saying that you're not going to get it, but if you get it, instead of ending up on the ventilator and you know having like you know major health issues down the road, you might end up with. You know, a, a few bad days. Yeah. Okay, so I mean that's that's what the vaccine is—that you have. It's now a full poop plan, but it, it's it's uh, it limits the effect that if the uh, if the uh, COVID hits you. That it'll instead of ending up being on the ventilator, you you like I said, you'll end up with a few bad days and just you know, laugh it off like any other time you got sick with the flu. But if, you, but if you don't take the vaccine, the possibility of you being on the ventilator or possibly dying or having health complications, that's a lot greater. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just how I see it. Well, to be fair, Hawkman, some people
1: that actually got all the vaccine stuff are still dying of COVID-19, right?
3: Well... The Three Texas is,
2: uh, senators. <laughs> I mean,
3: you know, well, no, you know, no, no, no. I think, I think, I think, I think they're they're dying from other diseases, like the sexually transmitted. Yeah, they're dying
1: of greed. They overdo. Yeah.
3: greed. yeah. I uh, mean, it's it's all the sex with the boys in the bathrooms. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's that's what's getting them. Right.
2: Anybody listening? I'm going to need this fact checked ASAP. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Bathroom
1: floors are always easy to clean up. Now, the USSR Human Z Army, we talked a little bit about this in the before of making these like because you take a, a gorilla or like some ape that's bigger than a human. We, a human could in no fucking way survive a battle with like a big ape. like fucking just palm your head and crush it like fruit. You know what I mean? But in uh, the night, this is interesting. In the nineteen twenties, Joseph Stalin set in motion a plan to create a race of super soldiers by crossing human and chimpanzee genetics. He put his top veterinarian scientist, Ilya Ivanov, to work on the project, tasking him with creating an invincible human being insensitive to pain.
2: I thought that what was the ta- what type of how you give that like how do you give that task to somebody? Like, hey, I want you to make uh- Invincible human, get it done. Bye. He's the guy, because that scientist was the
1: one who said, I think I can do it. He probably <laughs> should. Probably he probably
3: read too many Captain America comic books at the time.
1: Well, when you're in the, in the shoes that you just say you want to do something, everybody steps up to do it for you. Type, uh, well, in and over, Ivanov went to work in, uh, work in French Guinea and there, there he attempted to impregnate female chimpanzees with human sperm. I wonder like if himself? They His yeah. own sperm, yes. I wonder if they did it the old fashioned way. He
3: definitely <laughs> did. Maybe that's
1: where AIDS, AIDS was. Yeah, driving.
2: that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> fucking guys AIDS getting paid to fuck chimps. This
3: is insane. <laughs> Dude, really well, well I, I, I know a bunch of uh, sheep farmers that uh, <laughs> uh, fuck sheep for, uh, you know. There's a bunch no, of head no yeah. <laughs> scientists down south trying to crossbreed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they never <laughs> get the crowd they deserve, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: They get different names. Oh,
3: <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. Sometimes they like uh, their women hairy. Records
1: of the experiment suggest that he only used three chimps for the insemination project.
3: They're the prettiest chimps, I'm sure.
1: Probably, yeah. The most well well rounded. <laughs> yeah, they're out well rounded. All,
2: yeah.
3: all dog up
2: like some
3: something <laughs> to hold on to, if you know what I mean. Although he
1: brought ten others back to Russia with him. So he
0: not
1: a big
0: thing. This fucking guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have to ask, are they like swinging on his dick like a vine? Or the
1: most horrifying part of it is when he brought him back, he, he presumably, before telling his wife that they were for the experiments, I promise. The fact <laughs> yeah. that he has to promise is a problem.
3: I, I <laughs> promise that i only having sex with him to try to help our society grow. I don't know I why the heck I made him southern, but anyway, that's quite even more so than
1: even more so than what Sean was saying about how do you how do you put somebody in charge of that? How do you explain to that person you put in charge that you have to fuck monkeys now? <laughs> uh, I like the how does that
3: guy like, still have a
2: wife? I know what
3: the fuck. <laughs> I, I hope they do. Can, 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 shorts, can I mean. you imagine his wife pink walking flag. in and 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 he's like, yes, honestly, this is for science, baby. This is all for science. I have to do this for science. The wife
1: is quoted as saying it was a hairy situation.
3: What? <laughs> oh, it was.
1: I don't yeah, this dude. He uh, he spent a lot of money in roses on Valentine's Day, that's for sure.
2: Jeez. Uh-huh
1: the next stage of the experiment involved using a, ape sperm to impregnate a human female. Hopefully wasn't his wife. Right, right. Right. <laughs> well, honey, fucking... honey, honey, <laughs> see,
3: this, this, I'll bring the entire family into this scientific experiment. And, but, but, I'll, I'll, I'll bring one of the big giant apes for you. This fucking it's like, poor woman. I don't know. <laughs> but...
1: They said that it never happened because the only reproductive age ape they had access to died before they could get it started.
3: Aww. So they only, he,
1: he he took over all them women apes. He only brought over one man ape. His priorities were all fucked up. He wasn't thinking <laughs> in the name of science. He wasn't thrusting in the name of science, boys. Oh, he
3: was thrusting to something.
1: Yeah, he was thrusting for pleasure. Terrible. <laughs>
3: Um, he was thrust into wild thing. Hawk, you, dun, should do, dun, the, you, you should do you should do a Bible book
1: on this guy, Hawk. This should be this should be your next starring role. <laughs> I honestly want to know what happened to this dude after the fact, like when his wife left. Well, him, well, he, he well, had well had
3: uh <laughs> living in that could be a sitcom. Yeah, you, you you come over to his house and you find it, it's like a, a cage with him and his like twenty, you know, ape wives. They got he's, him trying in the cage. To, he's trying to, you know, uh, create uh, the Planet of the Apes. That's quite a. I could almost see them. That mad scientist where he gets lost
1: in his work, and you know, they go, they go there, they go to his house, and it's all covered in, you know, greenery, and because he hasn't been outside, and they find out that he's just like living with them like the regular, regular people. <laughs> There's a whole community of them.
3: They're my wives.
2: The basement's just full of shit. Uh,
1: that's horrifying. That's a, that is a horror movie. That's like It's great for the skin. It. It's great for the skin. I want to know at what point that wife got the fuck out of there. I thought that... Um, I after that's good enough. <laughs> after she had to get impregnated by the ape. I, I realized if you thought that she was going to be the one that, that he flipped it on her, I thought that was good. Which... What a what a great woman. What a great woman.
3: It's all uh, in the name of science.
1: That could have been AIDS, dude. What you were talking about, Hawkman, with the with the sex with the monkey thing. That could that that could have been the beginning of and if not Nah dude, he realistically he had to have been. I did. he had to have been just
3: injecting them with uh, Pink Flamingo but, style. With, well that that's that's, that's 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 what we would uh, want to believe, but I mean come on. Come on, we know the truth. We know his freaky side. Well, you
1: also know that there was a part in that testing where they said, well, you know, us putting in in something first before going in is, is, is losing time. Maybe we should try and speed up the process. And the guy goes, oh, Jesus.
3: Yep, yep, yep. So which one you want, the hairy one or the less hairy one?
1: The things people do in the name of science.
2: Crazy. I fucking quit. <laughs> exactly. Then they'll kill you. You go fuck your own goat. Get
3: out of here. Go
1: fuck Fuckers. your
2: goat. Poor goat.
3: It's a bad idea. Getting killed by a goat fucker. <laughs>
1: that's, uh, that's tough. That is a tough one. That's weird. That is a weird one. But I mean it would make sense if you could if you could mash up those two species, you could create an ultimate you know, yeah,
3: them. I mean, I mean, like I said, I don't know the logistics in it, but with gene uh, modification, gene splicing, I mean, I would not put past that someone's working on it. Mm. I mean, of course, the real question it'll bo- boil down to is the compatibility. I mean, probably the best would be apes to humans because we're the closest to apes for for the genetic splicing. I mean, I think it'd be tougher trying to do that with, like, an ape and then a uh, dog or, or a cat or something like that. Yeah. But, like it's, I said, I wouldn't put it past them, you know, to attempt it.
1: Yeah. Makes sense.
3: We also have Greek war dogs. Ooh. Although
1: dogs are widely used in wars nowadays, they aren't exactly weapons. In ancient Greece, however, warrior dogs might have been some of the most fierce opponents on the battlefield. I could picture that. Mm. Oh, yeah. They'd make them really angry and mean dogs and send them out there. In the 7th century BC, the Greek city of uh, Magnesia became the supplement of their military forces with trained mastiffs, which can grow up to 250 pounds. They would send the dogs into battle first to break up the troop formations with the soldiers following behind to take advantage of the chaos. It may sound cruel, but keep in mind that these dogs were often treated like any other soldier. Like shit. Even <laughs> to the point where they were fitted with suits of spiked armor to pre- protect them in battle. I think that's more... I, the, 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 whenever I heard that suits of armor, it was, I was never a, out of respect. I mean, maybe that they'll live longer, but it was mainly so they could keep fighting longer. Not really because they had respect
2: for yeah. whoever was. Yeah. They want to cause as much damage as possible.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean the fact is that they have spikes on the armor of the dog. It's it's more of like to cause as much damage as they can. And I, I mean it. I, I mean dogs are. I mean out of most of the animals, dogs are the probably the easiest to train and and the most loyal yeah. animal that you can. And, I mean, if you can, you know, train them to, especially, I mean, like, uh, there's a lot of, I mean, you have a big, big, strong dog coming after you and attacking you. I mean, honestly, at, at times, that's more terrifying than having a guy suited out in armor coming after you. At least I think so.
1: No, I'm with you, you know. Yeah,
3: and, and, and uh, I mean, that's a tactic I, I wouldn't be surprised that they used. I mean... Spiked.
1: With the spiked armor, they, they they after the dog
3: dies, they just use the dog as a weapon, and, like, start
1: hitting people with it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a double time. They tell the dog it's for honor, for duty and honor. They pat it on the head, and then when it's dead, they wait for rigor mortis and turn it into an axe. It's that swinging yeah.
3: sword. Yeah, that, that's that's what they tell their soldiers. It's all for honor. Now it's for for you to keep your power. That's, yeah. it. that's yeah. what it's all about. Next, next
1: up, we have the harbinger of bees. In 1994, mm. oh, the U.S. Air Force started an in- initiative to develop non-lethal weapons for U.S. combat to use in combat. One of the proposals, which was actually taken seriously was entitled harassing annoying and bad guy identifying chemicals and it was well silly you know what i mean the entire report which you can read here identified several possible ways to drop chemical bombs on the bad guys that wouldn't kill them just sort of make them annoyed for example one such bomb would contain uh pheromones to attract <coughs> or wasps to sting the enemy soldiers Another chemical would inflict the enemy with se- uh, severe and lasting helitosis. <laughs> bad breath, um, crazy madness.
3: It's uh, <laughs> these ones sound really like weird. Like I don't even know. Like okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going as F to stop you there. This, this is sounding like you know, like some of the DC villain, villains from the Suicide Squad. Okay, it's like, oh yeah, we got a bomb, they'll make you have alitosis. Ooh, scary. Wars of the future, yeah. Now, I mean, the thing is, with the pheromones getting the bees and the wasps ya, I mean, they might say non-lethal, but I mean, first of all, if you got a bee allergy, you're dead. Secondly, even if you don't, uh, with if you have enough wasp and bees stinging you, you could not be allergic and still be, you know, definitely, you know, out of commission and maybe even worse.
1: Well, the, yeah, wasps keep stinging. Bees, they sting you and they die, but uh, the a Yeah, keep but going. wasps
3: keep on, keep on going at you. Now, I think, I mean, definitely if they could get the pheromones and drop it in a section where they know that there's a lot of wasps around. That would probably be the best way to go because, yeah. like you said, wasps keep stinging, and and the fact is, if you've got all of that stinging your enemy opponent, I mean, I I it's I doubt many people will be able to you know function against the enemy uh, when you know they have like a, a hundred or so uh, wasps uh, stinging you to death.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think like a four-year-old, this one was designed by like a four-year-old.
3: See, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm listening to these things, and I'm like, either they're high in crack cocaine, or they're like, really like, hey, Jimmy, daddy needs an idea for work. How should I take care of, of these bad people that daddy needs to stop? Well, daddy, I got an idea. I don't like guy. bees. Bees hurt. How, how about you have bees sting the bad guys? I'll probably kill them a hell of this, Daddy. Yeah. Doing bad breath. Bad, bad breath smells. And I don't like people with bad breath. I run away. Give them
1: diarrhea. Give them, Daddy, <laughs> drop, drop fucking peas, peas and carrots on them. I don't like eating peas and carrots at dinner, so. You do that? Make it so they can't have ice cream after dinner, Dad? Yeah. Really, really bad stuff.
2: you would be so pissed at that one.
1: That would be tough.
2: (laughs) I've just been on killing all day. I want my fucking ice cream.
1: Well, Mom's cream! Ice cream! Lieutenant Dad, ice cream! They're only allowed to eat those red, white, and blue rocket pops. (laughs) When you're part of that. The bomb pops?
2: The bomb pops? I like that.
1: Hell yeah. (laughs) We got Hannibal's snake bombs. As any historian will tell you, yeah, yeah, Hannibal was a pretty decent military general. His strategic genius played a decisive role in the Punic Wars and put a huge thorn in Rome's monolithic, monolithic side for years. Hannibal is probably most famous for leading an invasion force, which was elephants, across the supposedly impassable Alps to attack Rome from inland where they least expected it. Like pre-Christ, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, but his most bizarrely creative strategy was yet to come. Uh, Here's the shortest version. Years after the Punic Wars, Hannibal was waging his own battle against humans too, king of Pergamon. It was a boat battle and Hannibal was outnumbered, but he came prepared. He had already figured out which ship carried the king, so as soon as his own ships were in range, he immediately began launching jars full of venomous snakes directly onto that one ship. Ignoring the rest of the fleet, the king freaked, turned, and fled, and the rest of the ships followed. That's a pretty genius idea.
3: I will give him that. Hey, I mean, heck, uh, I... I have to say, I, I think that um, snake warfare should be uh, more uh, widely used, because I think it's probably the most effective um, animal to use and instill uh, fear yeah. in your, your enemy. I, I don't know anyone who, who doesn't uh, hate those things. Uh, sure. <laughs> plus, also, I mean, hey, I mean, to the... Uh, I, can you imagine now? If, for example, taking from the classic uh, snakes on the plane, what? Why don't they just have like a plane and just you know drop drop those bombs like on their enemy combatants? Because you know that they'll be. I mean, that actually be a good idea for the simple fact that instead of dropping bombs, you drop snakes because. Of... Nope,
1: you're dropping the bomb right now. Okay.
2: What happened?
1: He just dropped. Parkman just went down. Snakes on a plane, he's talking about. He's talking about snakes on a plane dropping them out. You know, same thing with, like, spiders, you know what I mean? Or, like, uh, um, scorpions, you know. Yeah, or it is, this?
2: They, yeah, these two scenarios have something, like, very in common. They're, like, the snakes on a plane and throwing snakes on a ship, they're both, like, enclosed spaces. spaces. Like, they, the snakes don't have anywhere to run to because they probably just normally run out and hide. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you did it, like, in a land battle, it probably wouldn't be as, as, as effective, you know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and they get angry and stuff like that. I remember hearing a story of, like, uh, one of the things they do to people to, uh, like, for thieves or something like that, when people did something wrong, they put them in a sack with, like, a yeah. snake and, like, a mongoose and, like, something out a monkey, I think it was. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's just, like, a... Maybe I, uh, maybe it's a joke. Maybe it was a joke.
2: <laughs> no, I, I've heard people being punished, like have a sack over the head with a snake, rat. Um. Uh, yeah.
1: putting a box with tarantulas and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, going back to the older times, I mean, it's the most creative type of thi- uh, weaponry you could use, you know, and it doesn't. It, it can kill you as well as just make keep you afraid. Yeah. There's people that are, like, deathly afraid of... Uh, snakes, you know what I mean? So, like, they see them. They're not even going to be able to move.
2: Yeah, you're just stiffen up. I'm fucking terrified of spiders, dude. I don't do spiders. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't do. But snakes, I don't have a problem with.
1: It, it, yeah, it depends where I see them. I, you know, every, I'll see a snake, I remember I seen a snake, like, a year or so ago in a yard, and it just kind of, just kind of, like, swiggled out between my legs. Um, and it's scared, because you're not expecting it. Yeah, you're
2: not expecting it.
1: It's just like, oh! And I don't know what it is. I think they're just so otherworldly-like. They're so, you know, they're alien almost. It's just this eel, this weird, there's no legs to it, but it moves, and it can move quick. Um, we just did an episode of Mostly Ghostly where we talked about the snake people and, you know, the whole kind of folklore and why people get so creeped out, we think, by snakes. If anybody wants to check that out, check out Mostly Ghostly. I think Do it. Last recent, recent episode. Snake People is in the in the, in the title. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. But next up, you know, we got Pigeon Guided Missiles, Jonathan. We're returning back to We're, we're coming
2: back to the Pigeons.
1: Okay. Yep, we, I feel like we started with it. We're coming on back. Um, another misguided World War II idea, Project Pigeon, was a military plan to place pigeons inside the nose cone of a missile in order to guide it towards the right target. This what was the be- fuck? <laughs> yeah, this one sounds even more ridiculous than the first one.
2: Straight out of Acme, bro.
1: Exactly. This was before the era of guided missiles, and it received a lot of attention from the U.S. military. The plan was to create a specialized nose cone that would fit, into, uh, fit onto a Pelican missile. Each cone had three compartments that would house trained pigeons, in a screen that showed the path of the missile. As the missile fell towards the target, the pigeons would peck at the screen and align the missile in the right direction. The pigeons were trained beforehand to recognize the target, so if it was off-center, such as when the missile veered off course, the controls would correct uh, until all three pigeons were pecking at the center of the screen, keeping the target dead center ahead.
0: Hmm.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Sure. Okay. That is the most absurd thing I've fucking heard, but if that we can is, get it to work, sure. That is, yeah. Uh,
1: that's, that's very, uh, it didn't have a year when this went on. This had to have been early. This had to be like some 40s or 50s or something.
2: How long does it take to train these animals? They like, make it seem like it takes them a fucking weekend, and they're like, Hey, I got this pigeon missile. Let's try it out. Like, what the fuck? Well, you come up with wily coyote and roadrunner ideas in the uh-huh. middle of a goddamn war.
1: I agree with you, man. You could you can try and communicate with one of these things for like a lifetime and never get anything out of it. It's so weird. We got. Uh, I think we have our last one up here, which is uh, one of the ones that. Well, we got ex- we got explosive rats. That was one too. That's craziness in World War II, The British Special Ops thought of stuffing dead rats with explosives and spreading them throughout Germany, hoped the uh, Germans would gather the rats and dispose of them in industrial furnaces, causing explosions. You know, you don't see... We didn't hear too much about, um, like, sickness, which I thought we would hear more about, you know, like, uh, rats infested with black plague being dropped in, like the bat thing. Like, when we talked about the bat thing... Um, I wasn't
2: expecting napalm.
1: I wasn't expecting napalm. I was expecting them to have rabies or something. And yeah. They were, were going to go and down and swoop down and they'd bite people, and the people would get rabies.
2: Now we're like going to get gonna more ra- pigeons that go and spread bath salts over an area and get everybody yeah. really zombified.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would I would go more with the rabies as more of a uh, like uh, logistical... I think that's more... Of, I mean, if they were going with the bat bomb thing, I think that's more... A realistic way to go if they yeah. wanted to use bats because I mean rabies uh is I mean like I say, going back with what I said before, uh, with the whole uh diseases and pandemics coming from like animals crossing into humans, I mean that would be a you know, better way a a a way to use that idea that's I think you know, a little more realistic if they wanted to go the whole bat route.
1: Yeah, the bad thing was weird. We were just talking about um, a rat. There was a rat explosive one, too, where they would take... Germany would fill, would put little explosives inside the dead rats and stick it up to their ass. There was a diagram picture. And then they'd leave them around, and the German people would pick them up, and they would put them in um, incinerators, so to speak, to just burn them and get rid of them. And then they would explode because of the explosives causing ruckus.
3: You know what I mean? Okay. Um, that's interesting. Never... Never thought of that. I mean, I, 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 I mean, put in a dead rat. They use it kind of like a, line, a landmine kind of thing. I can right. see that maybe, but uh, huh? That's yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, it's an, that is an interesting one. Next up, we have the first one that that I kind of dove into, which was uh, the bomb bomb-wielding Soviet dogs. You know, starting in 1930, the Soviets began training dogs to blow up enemy tanks. Initially, uh, the Russians tried to teach the dogs to drop bombs under the tanks and then return to their handlers. Unfortunately, the training was too complicated and the dogs frequently returned with the explosives still attached, which is uh, not what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, the Soviets modified the bomb to detonate on impact, turning their dogs into unwilling canine kamikazes, um, which was horrifying. So they would do... I know in certain situations... They would, um, you know, they would train the dogs to know that you know, the food was under tanks and then starve them for a little bit and then send them off over. According to official Soviet records, the anti-tank dogs were highly successful, damaging around 300 German tanks.
2: Oh. Once, you look,
1: once you look past the propaganda, you'll see that the program was actually a failure. As it turns out, your average pooch can't tell the difference between a German Panzer tank and a Soviet T-34. Therefore, the dogs sometimes took out Russian artillery by mistake. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On other occasions, the dogs were frightened by gunfire, ran back to friendly trenches, which makes a lot of sense. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking blow them all up. I hate to put myself in an evil pat-
2: Those dogs ain't picking sides. They're taking everyone out. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a weird thing where, like, if they, if that was the deal, you would almost think, like to put myself in almost an evil mind frame of the people that would do this. Don't you think that they maybe do something? That their ears are so sensitive, and if they were just being sent out to die, wouldn't you do something to kind of make them deaf? You know what I mean? Where they can still yeah. see you, but like make you deaf before you go out there, so you're not scared by these bombs going off. Terrible. I would never do any of it to begin with, but they didn't fully think it out. I feel you know. Like, well,
3: I mean, I mean, a lot of these uh, things that uh, that you're talking about. I mean, honestly, you think any of them really thought these ideas out? I mean, a lot of these ideas are kind of extremely, you know, either a combination of desperate and just, you know, insane. Yeah,
1: like I said, I think it was wartime effort, so, like, it was a quick rush to do whatever they could. Um, yeah, it's... It's one of those weird things. I mean, it's it's a crazy vibe. The whole thing's real, real, real crazy. You know, the dog thing, it's sad because, you know, they... You know, even the troops, even the soldiers that have to deal with that dog, whether you're, whether you're a Nazi officer, the, the, you know, doing terrible things, when you got that dog around you, you're probably patting it. You know what I mean? Showing it love, showing you love back. Like, I'm sure a relationship grew a little bit you know what i mean and then you got to send them then you send them off and you know a lot you know a lot of them did a lot of heartless things but they're they're like any type of soldier man it's a bunch of people that sign up because they think they're probably trying to do the greater good and they want to you know be loyal to their 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 their, uh their their country and um just kind of get into it and go with the flow do what they're told to do type deal so like they're still human you know what i mean and, uh, maybe even made more human, um, towards this dog by the fact that they're in, they're all in this weird situation together. So like, even there, even the, even the people sending the dog off to get, I'm sure there was hardcore ones that are just like, don't give a fuck, but I'm sure there had to have been people that bonded with the dogs. You know what I mean? That were, were sad to see them go off because they know it's kamikaze, like they're not coming back. Yeah. Mm. but it's a wild thing you know yeah the, the so you know and we, we 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 did a big old journey for this one so in closing you know I, I i don't think any of us are surprised by any of these actions some only by foolishness you know what i mean
3: i hmm. mean i mean the only thing i'm surprised is not that they that you know the callousness of the decision to use animals Uh, The only thing I'm surprised is some of the ideas they came up in using the animals in interesting ways that I would, unless I was stoned out of my mind and on some, like, major prescription drugs, I would even come up with some of these ideas.
0: You didn't even bring up alcohol.
3: Well, I mean, alcohol just makes me sleepy. Well, how they sleep at night
1: when they got a drink? You know what I mean. It's a uh, yeah, it's a weird vibe. But you know, the, as much as we know that the real bad things, there, there, I think it, that certain things do start with. Um, I wouldn't say like a, a good plan or anything like that, but like a or like a positive note. But I do think that they, the people who started, are probably were thinking. If we got these animals dying, the animals are better than people. You know what I mean? I think it all starts with something like that. I don't think that it's just some, like, Satan organiz- organization that's like, let's just fucking find out a way to kill these dogs. <laughs> like, we go to war. They only went to war to kill dogs in the overall, the overall <laughs> scheme of things, to sacrifice dog lives.
2: Those fucking Russians.
1: You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, it's one of those things, you know, a lot of crazy things. I don't think any of us were surprised by anything outside of the fact that some of these ideas were quite foolish, but they didn't really – they might have – even the ones that – some of them kind of started out on paper to kind of make sense, and they kind of dwindled away. But uh, some of them were just complete fucking nonsense from the get-go.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, like you said, in wartime, I mean, I'm sure they're like, man, we're losing the war. How do we, you know – how do we turn the tide? And then you have someone who's like, you know, they're like asking and no one has an idea. And then, you know, some private stumbles in after a, taking a hit from a joint. And they're like, hey, come over the grill." idea He's like, hey, man, how about bat bombs?
1: Yay! It'd take more than a hit of a joint, my friend. <laughs> I can tell you never saw before.
3: It was a cheech and chong joint, dude.
2: <laughs> the big bamboo? The big bamboo. I hope so. Oh, some Doberman. Some Doberman
1: kid. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, maybe some marijuana use was involved, Alex. I don't know for sure.
3: Um, I was, was something a lot harder because some of these ideas, I'm just like, really? Well, they were doing mind control and doing hallucinogenic things.
2: Somebody was like paying. using
1: pigeons. Using pigeons, kid. They use pigeons, man.
2: Somebody I was hear- obsessed with pigeons. It was kinda of fun.
1: Those are <laughs> the ones you don't hear, though. Those poor pigeons that didn't make it. I hear they taste great with gravy. <laughs> oh too soon, kid. Too soon.
2: So hell hell, that was a that was a crazy journey
1: into the, the wacky world of the things that people would do to animals to make them uh, killing machines if they're not already made to be killing machines. So, you know, it's one of those deals. These are crazy things. These are all crazy things and it's kind of crazy to think that they thought these were going to be the future of war. Um, they're almost like you took a four, you let a four-year-old go into a, a shed and say, all right, come out with an idea or create something with the materials in that mm-hmm. shed. And they came out and, and created whatever. But the bigger question, which was the, I think the Hawkman brought up that was interesting, was the whole deal of the, you got the cross crossbreeding and uh, the machinery, turning somebody into a machine or just straight up splicing genes.
3: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think,
1: I mean, and I you know, was, yeah. Uh, you already yeah. spoke your piece on that for a good couple hours, my friend. But yeah, we agree with you, you know, and both test studies are probably being done to this day, they just don't talk about it, but I think they're always on, they're always on the hunt for the upper hand, you know what I mean, because they know the other side is too, and it's like one of those things, what is it, when you talk about fighting, it's like, the winner is the person who's willing to, what's that saying, do you guys remember the winner is the, the person willing to... Uh, lose the most. Lose the most, I think, yeah, exactly. Exactamundo. And the same thing goes with war, you know what I mean? Yeah.
3: But the the, uh, thing is in war that uh, those who are uh, making... uh, those who might lose the most don't always uh, care about the uh, outcome of those that they are losing.
1: Well, those that lose the most are unfortunately, I think, the the soldiers and the families of the soldiers, because they lose their loved ones, where... The, the the political people they they lose things like if you go to you go to a friend's house on a Sunday and watch a football game and you guys say well I want the Patriots one says I want the Patriots to win and the other one says I want the Chiefs to win and then like the Patriots win and the guy who was voting for the Chiefs the same disappointment he feels when the Chiefs lose is the same disappointment I think those fe- people feel when uh, they lose wars because. Maybe something slightly changed a little bit for them, but not a whole bunch. They're still going to be where they're at and have their power and stuff. But they got shown up. They're, they 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 they, uh, they showed their ass a little bit. They were humiliated a little bit in the big picture. And the people that really, the people that really lose during war, are the soldiers and their yeah. families, for sure.
3: Yeah, and I, know, I mean, you know. I'm
1: I'm not preaching to the choir. Yeah. I, you all know that. Uh, you were giving me that. You were starting that. Yeah, yeah. Tell me something I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, but yeah, so, yeah, that being said, you know, rest in peace to all the military animals that have lost their lives in the battle, that had no choice, realistically. Yeah. But the beautiful thing of that is, some of those things, like those animals, like those dogs that are loyal, that they probably would have given their life still, knowing, if they had the choice, you know what I mean, that's how loyal they are. So, uh, rest in peace, and hopefully all dogs go to heaven, baby, like the, like the movie, and uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. You know what I mean? If you like this episode, go check out more episodes where you're hearing this. We've got a bunch of other shows. Uh, check out Boombastic Media on the Facebook page. You can find out all these places, all these different shows. Check out the Behold the Pill podcast page on the book. You know, we've got a Boombastic Media YouTube page where we have a lot of our stuff on there. Um, and we also have a Patreon, uh, Boombastic streaming Patreon page for anybody that wants to get some cool perks or anything like that. All right? Not the perks these people were on when they were thinking up these ideas, when they were taking one hits of joints and putting them out, because that one hit fucking put them over the top. Oh, shit! Dude, Hawk took a hit of a fake joint and froze Yeah, I see the
2: picture. Nice.
1: Oh, my God, dude. We're going to end the show. I'm getting creeped out. I can't even look at this image anymore. Look at this, dude.
2: Did you see the company that made OxyContin just released a drug to help people get off of OxyContin?
1: No, but it makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah.
1: Horrifying. The people that created COVID-19 put out a vaccine to stop COVID-19.
2: Yeah, it didn't work, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Craziness. I'm almost worried about Hawk, dude. That could be the middle of, like, a heart attack or something. That could be, like, the very first moment of some type of medical issue that we'll never know about. Damn the glitching, Zoom. So, f- for all you people out there listening, it's a, it's a fucking a cliffhanger. Is Alexander <laughs> the Hawk alive or is he dead? You got to tune in next episode to find out. And we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of
0: Behold a Pale... Podcast. Now, recently, I sort of had that conversation with a reporter and the reporter said, "Okay, that's kind of convincing. But really, how do you really know that other animals think and feel? And I thought of the hundreds of scientific references that I read when I was writing my book. But then I realized that the answer was right in the room with me that when my pup comes off the rug and comes over to me, rolls over on her back and exposes her belly, she has had the thought, I would like my belly rubbed. And she knows that she can come to me, not the sofa, that I will understand her request and that I can get the job done. And she anticipates the pleasure of having her belly rubbed. She can think, and she can feel. And it's not much more complicated than that. Usually when we see animals, we say, oh, look, there's elephants, or there's killer whales, or whatever it is we see. But to them, they know exactly who they are. This is not just killer whales. That one with the tall fin, that male there, he's 36-year-old, L-41. Right to his left is his sister. She is 42-year-old, L-44. They've been together for decades. They know exactly who they are. Humans not only feel grief, humans create grief. We do much better in our own national parks here in the United States. We simply killed every single wolf in Yellowstone. Then 60 years later, we brought them back because the elk had gotten out of control. Many thousands of people spent many millions of dollars coming to the park to watch the world's most famous wolves. These are the alpha trio of a very stable pack. That one on the right there is the breeding male. The one on the left is his mate. The other one is his brother. Then suddenly, wolves came off the Endangered Species Act. Congress took wolves off. The wolves went to the edge of the park. Those two were shot. The entire pack, which had been so stable, disintegrated into fighting and division. The alpha male of the most famous, most stable pack in Yellowstone lost his companions, his hunting territory, and his whole family. We bring them a lot of harm. One of the mysteries is, why don't they harm us very much? Why is it that on more than one occasion, killer whales have returned to researchers who got lost in the fog and guided them miles to home? In the Bahamas, dolphins who were very familiar with Denise Herzing, a researcher there, and um, very interactive with her, suddenly got entirely skittish. What in the world was going on? Suddenly somebody on the boat realized that a person in the boat had died, during a nap in their bunk. How could the dolphins have detected that one of the human hearts had stopped? And why would it spook them? These are the mysteries of other minds. In an aquarium in South Africa, there was a baby bottlenose dolphin. Her name was Dolly. One of the keepers was on a break having a smoke outside the window to the tank. Dolly was watching, watching him smoke. She went over to her mother She nursed for a couple of moments. She came back to the window and she released a cloud of milk that enveloped her head like a cloud of smoke. (laughs) Somehow she had the idea of using milk to represent smoke. And when we use one thing to represent another, we call it art. The things that make us human are not what we think. What makes us human is that we are the most extreme. We are the most compassionate. We are the most violent. We are the most creative. And we are the most destructive animals ever to appear on this planet. But we are not the only animals that love one another. We are not the only ones who care for our mates or for our children. Yet when we welcome new life into the world, we welcome them with pictures of animals. We don't paint cell phones and work cubicles (laughs) on nursery walls. We want to say, look who's here with us. And yet every one of those, every one deemed worthy of being saved on Noah's Ark, is in mortal danger now. And the flood is us.